Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dort. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm going to hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Before we get to McKellie, I just want to stop real quick and acknowledge how difficult it is um, just in life right now. We've we've come through COVID, but we're not done with COVID. Um, there's an impending what feels like a world war. It's just it's just a stressful time. And I just want you guys to know that as we collectively go through this hard time together, which we have collectively gone through hard times over the past two and a half years, um, just want to acknowledge it and let you know that we're not going to focus on it on the show. The purpose of our show is to um, have fun, talk about basketball and enjoy our time. But I did want to acknowledge it and let you guys know that we are collectively going through this um, worldwide. Like we've got uh, people that listen in all parts of the world. Um, so just want you guys to know that we are all here for each other as a down to dunk collective. So without further ado, Michele Barra, what's up? Well, first of all, thank you for saying these words. I mean, it's sometimes we, we just try to shift away, to drift away from what's like what's around us uh the war the the pandemic uh time and and it's it's what these podcasts are for basically uh to inform us about basketball things that we love that we like but it's good to stop for a moment and be mindful about the people that are suffering right now um as a as a father, it's it's hard to to see all these images and trying to make like to explain uh, to your kids how and why with all the little knowledge that we have. Mm-hmm. And so to to stop for a second and saying, hey, um, we are here together. It's um, it's important, and we are here also for the people that right now, uh, uh, no matter about the flag, they are suffering because I think that uh, in every difficult moment in history there are people that are really really going through crazy times and and it's our thoughts should be for them uh as well because i think that again um we have to be mindful about that yeah 
Totally agree. Uh, there's no uh, clear transition, so we're going to talk about the Thunder now. Uh, they <laughs> lost to the Utah Jazz last night here in Oklahoma City. I was present for for the loss. <laughs> they just absolutely shot the lights out. Bogdanovich had more threes himself than the Thunder did collectively. Thunder shot really poorly from the field. Still somehow remained in the game through really effective interior defense, um, even without a big that's any good at interior defense. And um, it was... I was actually pretty impressed. I mean, they're running a skeleton crew out there with Shea, and they're still they still remain competitive. I was I turned to Joe Masato halfway through the fourth quarter. I was like, man, but the Jazz are super annoyed that <laughs> the Thunder are somehow in this game within like single digits. Yeah. No, I mean, I I completely agree with your assessment. I think that this speaks so highly about the program, about the coaching, about the players that are. Um, stepping into the floor every single night because yes, it's um, these are players that uh, spend most of the year in the G League, but right there they are competing hard and they deserve credit because um, they are again. Uh, if Utah has a normal good three point night, this is this may be a thunder victory. Like if if Bogdanovich doesn't go complete bonkers from the three-point line. Uh, this may be like even a closer of a game. And, and you can say like the opposite on OKC, like say that OKC shots terribly from three, but not as terribly as they did, which which is basically the average, like around 30%. Again, this is a different game. So there is more to it uh, than just uh, a group of guys around Shea. These are Guys that play hard every yeah. single night. The, the the thing that you mentioned about the fact that they don't have a real defender as a as a center, and they still are able to be in the passing lane to force turnover. Shea did did it a few times by just putting his body uh, um, ahead of Gobert. Mm-hmm. That speaks again very very highly about the way in which Mark Dagnon and his staff and Sam Presti are building this team. Yeah, yeah, and. Credit also to Poku, who oh, yeah. was put in position to defend a lot of different guys, as was Baisley. They were both put in positions to defend a lot of guys, and they both did a good job. It's it's rare, I think, that we see Poku use his length to his advantage, because a lot of times he just kind of plays like a wing. Mm-hmm. When he stretched his body out at the rim on Gobert, and he had his arms completely straight up, that was like one of the first moments where I was like, oh, yeah, he is seven feet <laughs> because yeah. he doesn't play like a seven footer at all. But the fact that they were able to put him just had him meet Gobert at the rim when Gobert received the ball and just have his hands straight up. And then they sent two other guys to the basket. It blocked off that initial look. And then they were able to like strip him a few times and. So that was it. Was really interesting. Their interior defense is is very good. I mean, they outscored Utah in the paint by a giant margin last night. Um, part of that is when you hit twenty three threes, you don't have to score <laughs> on the inside. You just work the ball, and that's what they did. They, their offense is not too dissimilar from OKC's, where they kind of had this like blender type offense, where they're just running, running, running through it, and they just find the right shot and. They they did that last night. Utah was was great from the perimeter, and the Thunder 
did their best and they clogged the lane. They cut down drives. They cut off scoring at the rim and, but they couldn't, they couldn't do it all last night. They, they gave up a ton of really good corner threes to the jazz and the jazz made them pay. Um, and then, and we'll talk more about him later on in the show, but Shea continues to be unbelievable oh, yeah. in these games. He's 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 changing what even what I thought he could be uh, right before my very eyes. Like I was on a podcast with Sam Vecini last week, and we talked about. He asked me like, "What did I think Shea could be?" I was like, "Yeah, he could be like a top twenty player in the league," and. Sam was like, I actually think he could be top 10. And I was like, and I was, we had seen some of that, seen like more flashes of it, of that guy, but really since the all-star break, he's, he's been a top 10 player since the all-star break. He has played like that. Now, can he carry that to an entire season? Like that's another question, but uh, he's been a top 10 player in the NBA since the all-star break. And I don't think that's really a question. Yeah, um, I'll go a little bit back to Poku for just one second. Sure. Uh, one of the possessions that really um, surprised me the most, and in the same way that surprised you, uh, that defensive play, is the moment where he played pick and roll with Shea, and he sealed, I don't remember who he was, it was probably not a big man, but uh, a guard, and he was able to shield him with his body, uh, seal him off, and just had a layup at the rim extending his arms he was very far away from the rim but he was able to uh, lay the basketball in any way and and that possession showed to me uh, like he's long he's tall and he's starting to become a little bit stronger by the day because mm -hmm. i i mean in that possession if you're not strong enough you cannot hold the position the defender will True. will put the shoulder into your back and you are away you are not receiving the basketball instead poku made a perfect seal and completed the play. And that is a big band play. And if Poku can be just a, a stable four guy that can, you can play in different lineups, nothing shiny, nothing, uh, not the Poku that maybe we, we hope we can find last season, but the guy who knows how to play, knows how to leverage, is huge arms um, and his tall frame, just... I mean, that's that's a good pick. That's a good player. That's a player that uh, works with Shea. Um, so I was really impressed. Back on Shea, I mean, the, at the beginning of the season, I was uh, talking with John on Thunder After Dark and saying, hey, I miss the version of Shea that you feel is coming and you can do anything about it. Mm. And, and after the also break, it's like that. I mean, the jumper last night, I mean, there's not, there, there was nothing that Utah could do to stop him. Like if the defender was too close, yeah, that's a layup. If the defender was a little bit far away, hey, that's a jumper. Yep. And yes, the triple didn't uh, go in, but the two spot up opportunities that he had were really, really close really in good. and out. In, yes. They, they, it, they're they the the kind of shots that's like, man, like just, just seeing that he missed them doesn't tell the story. <laughs> you know? Exactly. 
Exactly. Um, and he had to make the usual amount of very difficult trees at the end of the shot clock where, yeah. and one at, uh, at the end of the, um, I think it was at the end of the quarter. So if you take away those two, yes, it's a O out of three, but again, the process behind those trees is getting better and better. And, and again, the rest of his game is sensational. It was just nothing short of sensational. Yep. Uh, he had like Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell against him, and there was nothing Royce could they do could do. Nothing against him. Royce was he, he. There was one possession in particular where he Royce started too close on him and was like picking him up full court, and Shea turned on the Jets a little bit and then got him in jail, and that's that's where he, you get the defender behind you and you kind of use. Basically, you just use your butt to keep them behind you so that you can go get a floater or something. And a lot of players do this. Josh Josh is actually really good at this. Um, yes. But Shea did that, and then Royce was trying to get back around him, and Shea did this like stutter step and then just boosted toward the rim and just left him in the dust. I mean, it, it was really, really an interesting play because it was a... a you know, Royce O'Neal, I don't know, what is he, like a top 20 defender in the league? Like, he's not like top five or top 10. Like He's a good defender, but Shea made him look like nothing out there. It was really pretty cool to see. I love the fact that you call Royce O'Neal Royce. Um, it always, it's just Royce. It seems like special guest Royce Young. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we miss you, Royce. Um, uh, miss Ro- I, I mean, I see Royce all the time, but I do miss yeah. Royce. I miss podcasting with Royce, certainly. Exactly. Yeah, we miss podcast Royce. Um, anyway, I mean, it, Shea can do that too better defenders. Uh, Shea could do that to Matisse Thibel. When, yay, hey, if you put Matisse Thibel on a great player, yeah, he will see. No, with Shea, it's not like that. Um, so, and it's also hard, and you you warned me uh, against that. It's hard to picture what Shea could be with just a little bit more spacing around him. And, I mean, if Lindy Waters can open up space for Shea, and, like, no, I mean, no disrespect intended for Lindy Waters, we, who is playing very good and he's a very good shooter but imagine if you have a guy like Bogdanovich alongside Shea yeah. a guy that every single defender will try to stay glued to because he's a dead eye three-point shooter yeah like can you imagine like if, if Shea can go one-on-one it's it's a different story and um that's why AJ Griffin is kind of intriguing because he is an has been a knockdown shooter in college Hold on, buddy. Yeah. Okay, I'll fix it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and he's so so young. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's, young. It makes you almost like saying again, yeah, this is a four-player draft. But if you get five or seven, you're not in terrible shape. Yes, you want Mobley, but if you get Barnes or Giddy, it's it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not terribly bad. It's a successful draft, of course. You want the best. You want the best. Really but there's some guys. Yeah, exactly. Yes. There's there's some guys in here that, I mean, AJ Griffin's definitely one of the guys past the top four that I'm like, okay, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel horrible. Um, Keegan Murray, I like him. He's just he's gonna be like almost 22 at the draft, where I'm just like, I, yeah. just, I don't like that. But Tari Eason, I don't know if you watched any of him at LSU. No, no, no. The, 
you got to go watch him. I think you'll like him. He's interesting. He's a forward. He's kind of a, he can kind of do a lot of things. He's got a lot in his bag. Uh, he's he's really an interesting player and outrageously productive, similar to uh, Keegan Murray, like less shot blocking, but averages more steals. And um, there's a there's a lot to like about some of these guys later in the draft, especially if you're looking for a forward. There's some good forwards in this draft. So, but yeah, I I I was thinking that all night last night was man, just give him one, give him one like real weapon. Because the entire yeah. night last night, Shea had no real weapons. And he had zero turnovers, <clears throat> which might be the most impressive stat, honestly. Because he'd been turning the ball yeah. over a lot prior to this game. He had no turnovers, eight assists. It's like, like that's impressive. <laughs> Even just to, just to get eight assists with the crew that he's playing with is is impressive. Because there were times when Shea wasn't out there and some of the lineups that Mark was running, it was just like, man, it is impossible to score. <laughs> There's <laughs> no one to manufacture even a decent look right now. And then when Shea yeah. gets out there, the gravity of the floor changes. I mean, everything changes for them. You know, it was, he's, he's, he's on another level. And we're going to take a quick break. And right after this quick break, we're going to talk about this new level that he's hit. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back from that quick break. Uh, I was inspired by this segment by my good friend Joe Masato's tweet this morning. I don't know if you saw uh, where Shea ranks in total points. I hope you didn't see because it's part of my game. Uh, did you see where he ranks in total points after the All-Star break? Uh, I scrolled the, the timeline, so I must have read, uh, read it this morning, but uh, it was 12 hours ago at least, and I vaguely remember it. Okay, well, good. I'm glad you don't remember because I'm going to quiz you on where Shea ranks oh, no. post-All-Star break. Uh, so we'll start with that. Most... Total points after the All-Star break. Where does he rank amongst all players in the NBA? Can you give me a range? Like between uh, 1 and 15? Something like that? Sure, it's between 1 and 15. Yes. Okay. Then he's number 3. He's no, He is number 3. That's exactly right. He's only behind Jason Tatum and Ja Morant. Ah, total points. I was guessing Ja. And then I said, hey, it must be another one. Yeah, yeah. Tatum, not many. Tatum has been unbelievable since he also broke. Yeah. So, uh, that's great. Uh, where does he? This is another interesting one. I, I swear I'm not reading anything, Andrew. You know because my connection is terrible, and I have no, nothing open <laughs> on my yeah. desktop. So. If you guys know, we're not putting this on YouTube because McKelly is having internet troubles today. So, yes, I do know. No. Um, um, okay, so. In tandem with this one, where does he rank in three-point attempts per game? 
or I guess total, mm. sorry, total three-point attempts since the All-Star break. He's averaging, at least in my head, six and change per game, which shouldn't be extremely high, but I would say between eight and 12th in the league. He is 87th in total three-point attempts since the All-Star break, which makes his scoring even more impressive to me. Yeah. Because we know that Tatum and even Jar, like they're they're getting their three point attempts up. Uh, Shea is doing it on drives. He's doing it on step back twos. He's doing it on free throws. Uh, it's been very very interesting to see the ways that he's scoring because it's not it's not in the ways that you that you would think. Um, okay, next one. How far is sorry? Just a question of uh, on your quiz. Mm-hmm. How far is from the top ten? In terms of attempts per game. In terms of attempts? Yeah, per game or in total overall. attempts. Yeah. Um, let me look real quick. I don't have that. It's got to be a lot because we're going to talk about usage here in a second. Um, but yeah, it's got to be a lot. Hold on. I'm just now pulling up NBA.com. Um, post All-Star break. Total... Actually, I'm going to make this a part of the quiz. Um, okay. Yeah, where does he rank? In in what? Total attempts. It wasn't that the, the earlier question, like a eighty-eighth in a league? No, no, no. That was three-point attempts. This is total field goal attempts. Oh, total field goal attempts. Okay. Um, not top five for sure because he's been extremely efficient. Um, so I would say between five and ten. He is number three. Oh, okay. He has so he's taken 129 shots since the All Star break. He is quite a bit behind Jaw, who's taken 149, and then Tatum's mm-hmm. taken 143. Oh, so okay, it's uh, it's really the same. Um, ranking as the points i expect something a little bit different but anyway yeah Um, he said also the other one are very efficient yes how about free throw attempts total free throw attempts since the all-star break where does he rank in the entire nba second he's actually third uh joel Embiid is number one Giannis is number two and then he's actually tied with a player that showed up a lot in these rankings, RJ Barrett both have hmm. 57 free throw attempts since the all-star break. So he's shooting 78.9% on those free throws. Uh, where does he rank in total assists since the all-star break? Hmm. He's good, but not top of the league. I would say, um, I mean, the, the league lost Chris Paul after also break. Uh, yeah. So maybe 11th? He's actually 8th in total assists. Okay, not bad. He's tied this is with, not bad. Tied with Drew Holiday. The only players that he's behind are Darren Fox, D'Angelo Russell, Jokic, Marcus Smart, Trey Young, Harden, 
And then the number one, number one player in assists since the All-Star break. Do you know who it is? No. Tyrese Halliburton. Oh. Okay. So kind of interesting. Doesn't correlate into winning at all, but but hey. Right? No, it hasn't. Pacers have been miserable. Uh, okay, turnovers. Where does he rank in ter- total turnovers since the All-Star break? Can you give me a number and I guess over and under? I can't with this one. Okay. That's your hint. So, yes, yeah, so it's either uh, first or first. Yeah, he's first. That doesn't see uh, two, that, that many? He has 30 total turnovers since yeah. the All-Star break, including a game last night where he had zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of taking care of the ball as of late in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, like, he played six games, five games? Six. Six, yeah, five five per game is not that high. Yeah, it's apparently pretty high. <laughs> he has the most. <laughs> uh, where's he ranking steals overall steals since the all? Oh boy, oh boy, this is extremely hard. This is really uh, hard. he's this getting is, those yeah. up yeah. because I, I vividly remember a game when he had four yeah. last night. He had two or three. Um, so I would say top five for sure in that category, and let's go with four. He's third overall in steals. He's had 12. Hey, damn. There's been a bunch of guys that have had 12, though. Shumo Kiki, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, and Jay Crowder. Um, you know who's number one in steals? Uh-uh. He's a rookie. Give me a hint. He's a rookie. Is he even Mobley? It's not Evan Mobley. Jalen sucks. Second rounder. Second rounder. Hmm. Ayo? Got a real old man name. No. Herb Jones. No, tell Herb me. Jones, number one. Oh, Herb. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, okay, blocks. For, okay, this is just guards. So amongst guards. Or does he rank in blocks since Second. the break? He's actually fifth. Uh, okay. And some of these guys I don't consider guards, but whatever. Um, he's tied with Kyle Anderson, Devin Vassell, Derek White, De'Aaron Fox, Io DeSumo. And then he's behind Tyrese Halliburton, Matisse Tybel, Austin Reeves, question mark, and O'Shea Brissett. Yeah. Brissett is a guard? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought like Kyle Anderson, yeah, Vassell, exactly. Brissett, like that, those are stretches. Even Tybalt's no. a stretch. Like Tybalt's not a guard, Tybalt's a wing. Yeah. But Brissett is not, definitely not a guard. No. He's 6'7. Yeah, it's, I don't, he plays like a power forward. Right. I don't know. I don't know how they put him as a guard, but anyhow, uh, usage. Where is he? Where does he rank in usage since the All Star break? So, um, like a little bit earlier, you said that uh, this is also related to his usage. So, the fact is, it was not getting as many trees. Um, but this means that he's getting up a lot of shots, uh, a lot of uh, turnovers, a lot of. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it could be. 
either second or first. He's third. Again. Oh, too many times he's third. Yep. Uh, John Morant and Luca. Luca. So his usage percentage is thirty-five percent. Hmm. Uh, John Morant is at thirty-seven percent, and Luca is at forty percent since the All Star break. Yeah, almost like Russell in his MVP season. Yep. Um, okay, so among top among the top ten players in usage, where does he rank in true shoot in true shooting percentage among those players? Oh, he's better than um, than Luca. Yep. He's probably a little bit lower than Ja, um, and I think that is very close, but maybe a little bit below Tatum because of the three point shots. Um, the free throws are. are not great so he might be a little bit i would say number four he's number two. Oh, in true shooting percentage there's only one player that's better than him in true shooting since the all-star break that's has a top 10 usage rate and it's kevin durant oh that's really it. yep that's it that's impressive yeah very impressive so the other guys on the list that he has a better true shooting percentage than since the all-star break Luca, Ja, Tatum, LeBron, Embiid, RJ Barrett, Trey Young, Darius Garland. How far is he from uh he is from uh Jamaran and Tatum? That I'm very curious. They are close. Let me pull it back up because I just have this in my notes. Yeah, they're close. I'll I'll look it up here in just a second. Um I'm wait. doing terribly bad in, in this trivia. <laughs> what about assist percentage? Among the top 10 in usage. Where is he? Uh, which is the percentage of his passes that becomes an assist. Mm-hmm. So, for for example, last night, he, he didn't make a lot of passes, but the ones that he made were, were, were really on point. And I remember checking that percentage, but it was like when Giddy was playing. And it was, I think, pretty high, but not top of the league. Uh, Chris Paul was ahead. Uh, other good passers were ahead of him. Um, but since then, he's playing very well. Uh, so it was, it was not top 10 uh, when I checked last time. But I think that the, after also, right, he might be. Uh, it should be. So let's say top five for sure. Maybe number four again. Let me try four again. Four is absolutely correct. <sighs> So he's only okay. behind Darius Garland, Trey Young, and Luca in assist percentage since the All Star break. Um, as far as true shooting percentage since the All Star break, how close is he to the other players? He is sixty four point nine true shooting. That's insane. Since the All Star break, Jaw is fifty eight. Luca's fifty seven. KD is sixty seven, but it's only in two games. Um, yeah, still insane. Uh, Tatum is 61, so he's almost four percentage points better than Tatum. But that's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, Without the three-point shooting. Without the three-point shooting. insane. Yeah, it just shows you how efficient he's been. He was just, I mean, he was just automatic last night. He was just money. He would get guys, he'd slam on the brakes because they thought he was going right to the rim. 
And then he would just stop and and hit those. I mean, it was just butter from mid range. It was yeah. just all night. There's nothing that they could do. They could. He got he got to the rim. He was hitting those uh, mid range shots because I wondered and they tweeted this and was talking to Joe about it before the game started. I was like, you know what? Like, Gobert is a really big test for Shea yeah. because he hasn't faced a guy like this. He's he's gotten to the rim at will against many teams um but he hasn't faced a drop big that's as good of a shot blocker so i thought i thought he certainly passed the test you know he was passing more when gobert was in but then he started really developing his mid-range and like really getting into it exactly um and he was awesome uh 10 minutes 10 yeah. minutes to adjust. Um, a small question to you. Sure. Is Butter a reference to the great Mark Jones? Because since OKC played Sacramento and you were, I think, close to him, behind him, I was. you're using it a lot. It probably is. God, Mark Jones was awesome. He, You know, he was yes. sitting there at the game. Insane. He was watching, he was calling the game and also on an iPad right next to him, he had his daughter's basketball game on. His daughter's a college basketball player, um, wow. so he he was like simultaneously simultaneously calling this Kings game and watching his daughter's game, like keeping an eye on it. So it was it was just cool, and you could hear him yeah. in big moments. And I mean, I was like two feet from him; I could have touched touched his head. Um, it was it was that was really cool and by the way the sacramento crew is good the, the color commentator she's she's very good. very very good yes she 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 had a ball come flying at her head and she grabbed it real quick like it was nothing that was also impressive she's good she's uh she's wmba she former yeah, wmba yeah she, i i think that's right she's super tall. she's called katie i don't remember the surname but anyway yeah i can't remember either she's they're awesome they're an example yeah. of what OKC should be. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, you look at all these other guys. I mean, he's shooting significantly better than every than almost everybody. Um, true shooting, except for Kevin, who's only played in two games. And like that 67% is going to flatten out. And if you just took out, say you had to have played at least five games since the All-Star break, like he's number one in yeah. true shooting. And... and uh, let me go back to the adjustment factor because, yeah. again, Gobert is very, very, very difficult to play if you're a guy that just takes it at the rim. If you're number one in drives in the NBA, <laughs> is that what you mean? <laughs> exactly. But the way in which Shea adjusted yeah. in a lot, in a variety of ways, it was not like just a long twos. It was long twos, then. Uh, short twos than uh, line line jumper like it's it was a it was just sorcery it was just out there like manipulating the defense get away from Gobert creating space and just murdering everyone and as soon as he's out I mean he's just destroying everyone yeah. uh, everyone else and and at the end he was able even to take it to Gobert so it's just um, insane how quickly he was able to pivot and saying, hey, okay, uh, that doesn't work. I'll kill you anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was he was incredible. And there was a play late in the game where Shea blocked Donovan Mitchell. And it was kind of a questionable call to me. But she, mm -hmm. 
there there's just something really unique about him where he just owned it. I don't I don't know. Maybe he maybe he just thought he fouled him. However, with a guy that drives as much as he does, a guy that goes to the free throw line as much as he does, uh, tries to block shots. Obviously, like he's a guy who's gotten a lot of steals and a lot of blocks since the All Star break for a guard too, as we displayed within these stats. Like he just hardly ever complains to the officials, and that's just a part of yeah. who he is and a part of his maturity. And it was something that I just really thought about because we've watched a lot of guys through the years. Um, Westbrook liked to talk to the officials. Kevin liked to talk to the officials. Paul George, Mello. Um, oh. All these yeah. guys. And Shay is a guy that I – I mean, he could be on the level of some of those guys. I don't I don't think that's a stretch at this point. Um and he just doesn't at all. And it's just part of who he is and his demeanor and how he carries himself. You know, he's just he's just more relaxed and lets his game do the talking. And I just was I was just kind of impressed with watching him last night because there were a lot of moments where he could have just been going at the officials. And, you know, you compared he to Luca. Like Luca complains after every feels like almost every possession. Like it's just almost exhausting. <laughs> it is every it. possession. <laughs> um, but Shay just doesn't. And so it's just kind of a, I mean, it's it's not like, well, my guy's better than your guy because he doesn't complain. You know, it's that's not really what I'm going at. I'm just it's more of just like an observation. Like the maturity that he has is is really kind of remarkable. Um and and rare. Like he's a really rare player. And I was asking I was asking Aaron Wiggins after the game. We got to talk to him. And like my first question is like, how much have you guarded Shea in practice? And he's like, oh, like a lot, a lot. And I was just trying to ask him, like, who like how do you how do you compare him to other players that you've defended? Like you've you've been a point of attack defender against a lot of really good players all season. And I'm just curious your thoughts about Shea. And like how he is compared to some of the other like great players, and like you defended Donovan Mitchell tonight. Like, what is the? How do you compare it? And he said like the first. He said the first time he ever guarded Shea was in training camp, and he said he was Shea was driving. He said he was up in his grill, got all the way to the bucket, and he said twice in a row he just finished with these left-handed layups. And he he said I thought to myself both times like there was nothing else. I could have done differently. Like I did everything perfectly. And still like he found his way to get just two layups. <laughs> and he talked about how not only does he use um his speed and the and speed isn't the right word. His like speed like adjustment like he uses that well, but he said he also like his length. His length is something that doesn't get talked about as much. I think we talk about his pace a lot where he can really manipulate the defense with his pace. But if you if you just watch him play for a few minutes, like man, like his arms are incredibly long. And he yes. there were a couple plays last night against uh one was against Gobert where he got all the way to the rim and just stretched his arm out longer than what Gobert's go-go gadget arms are and you know made a layup and it just made me think like man, like that's like what a tough cover and he's becoming more difficult every day it seems like because this like this version of Shea like he's been good all year 
but he wasn't this good in like December. He had moments like like this. There was the Lakers game where it was yes. inevitable uh, yes. for from top to end. Yes, and but the way in which he's uh, improving, he's thriving. Uh, it's remarkable. I mean, I remember um, it's his talking shot selection John too, the, because back with that Lakers yeah. game, he was taking a ton of threes exactly. and a lot of bad threes. Yes, and making and making them, which was also fun. Um, but the way in which defenses were guarding him at the beginning of the season, hey, uh, send them left, and and we we are good, we are okay. Exactly. Now send them left. Oh no, that 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 doesn't work. Uh, send them right. Uh, okay, that 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 is terrible. And and then it's hey, let's blame him honest and just try to do the best while packing the paint. Sending three guys and letting him work. Yeah, and he's doing this while that is happening. Like, uh, and in total honesty, I mean, having guys like Basley and Bokushevsky as your big man, uh, even if the defense doesn't trust him, it's different than having favors out there. The um, the center of the field was uh, the, of the court was never occupied, and this is, I think, a strategy, a key for for his future. Because yeah. if you if you have a guy there, it's a bit harder for Shea. Yeah. Unless he's a crazy athlete that can just, as soon as the big man comes, you just lob it and, and he's already there. So um, I really think that, um, and I know that that is number one for you and also for many others, but the idea of a guy like Chad, who I don't possibly care if plays center or not for 29 teams for the OKC Thunder, if, Okay, so he has the luck of drafting him. He will play center from day one. Um, I mean, because Pokushevsky is playing center nowadays. So uh, I have no doubts that of, Chet can play. Out of complete necessity. I, I, think, I think that if they drafted him, that they would play him next to JRE and Jeremiah would guard stronger guys. Why? What is the issue? No, I, I just think that I just think there, there will be players that Jeremiah would guard. That's all. Not every night. Yeah. But there will be there will be nights where Jeremiah guards the the bigger guy. He's I mean, Jeremiah is like freaking really strong. So Yeah. Yeah. But okay, but but Jeremiah doesn't occupy the center either. So that's fine. You can play the both yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think that for at least I mean, we look at Evan Mobley, like Evan Mobley's not playing center for the Cavs, but he, Just because they have Jared Allen, he he occupies center spots even with Jared Allen out there. Like they they just make it work. And 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 some people got mad whenever I said that he was a four. It's like I mean, he's probably a four for the first a year, two years of his career. Uh, he's destined to be a center, though. Like I I realize that, but throwing him out there against like all the centers without any help like i just like for the just like simply for the wear and tear of his body is just like not a yeah that's idea. yeah that is but but again okc does it by committee it's not that yes. you are left on an island uh by by yourself and i think that but but yes uh the, the point to me was more about how okc will play offensively with a guy like shit like nobody's out there standing um inside and this is great for Shea. 
Um, and it's it's what he needs, I think. And and you can say the same for Giddy because it's not that Giddy really needs a post present. He likes to drive. He likes to be there. So the more I watch this team, the more I think that um, the version that may work with Giddy and Shea is a version where uh, the center of the of the court is not occupied by anyone, and and it's just five out with motion movements and then cuts and then yes by, with a cut you can occupy that position for a split of a second then go move around uh the blender as you call it at the beginning of the podcast uh, i really think that that is how you maximize shea because you you do a couple of screen you move around shea is not guarded by three guys and then he can attack and he's deadly out of those sort of plays mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm I've been so impressed with Shay. I've seen him in person several times. I mean, even just watch him on TV. Like he's he's on another level. And if this is the kind of player that he's gonna be, you know, the the Thunder might have a number one guy. <laughs> like honestly. Because you look at where he is amongst all these other players, and it's a small sample. Like I totally get this is a small sample and not something that we need to extrapolate however i don't think that anything he's doing right now is like terribly unrepeatable um especially since he's doing it without the help of anybody else so yeah i don't i don't i still think that i would go for another guy to i would continue to go for the top guys in the draft because I mean, the Thunder had two number one guys before in Westbrook and yeah. Durant, so it's it's okay to have more than one. Um, but I've been outrageously impressed with Shea. And at the podium last night, he sat there and just casually ate an orange, which is like he's just he's he's a, he's on the mountaintop right now. If you're casually <laughs> eating an orange on the podium, like you you've made it somewhere in life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and on the number one, number two, number whatever pick that you uh, player that you want to have in your roster, mm-hmm. um, the point that Alex made on Twitter, I think it's really relevant. Like, how much can you, how farther can you go, knowing that he is an alpha guy, and that having him on the roster puts a cap on how bad you can be? Because right now he's playing with nobody mm-hmm. and still he's quite close they, they were quite close in beating utah um like those were that was an incredible shooting performance from uh from the jazz and i know that that um being competitive at, and winning 25 games with nobody doesn't mean that next year if you put him and two other good players you win 40 but he's quite good. And, and, and maybe the plan is, hey, let's get a few other pick in the top 10 and we are good to go. Uh, we may not draft a great guy, but at least we have enough in the pipeline to move forward. Maybe that's the plan. But um, it's hard to think uh, that this team led by Shea can be worse than a 24, 25, 26 win team. And, and that doesn't guarantee you anything in this no. draft. No, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, even the worst case scenario, I feel like there's going to be somebody that's 
maybe not going to take the number one spot on this team, but they're going to fill a, a need on this team. Like if AJ Griffin or Jalen Duran, like those are probably worst case scenarios for the Thunder. And I sit and think, you know what? Like, yeah, that's not great, but that's not horrible. Yeah. Like I could see both those guys being successful in the NBA and the Thunder just need guys. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of theoretical guys on this team right now. Yeah. And if they could add real players, guys that can make real impacts. I mean, you even look at the Suns. So think about the construction of the Phoenix Suns right now. It's Devin Booker. who's a great player. It's Chris Paul, who's a great player. And then, like, Mikel Bridges is good. Like, he's a good player. DeAndre Ayton is good. He's a good player. Uh, Jay Crowder is good good player but none of those guys are like all-star level players no and they've got two guys that are and then the rest are just like solid like they're not going to kill you on either end kind of guys and if the thunder had and i'm not saying that josh giddy is going to be as good as chris paul but josh giddy is going to be pretty darn good and those two, and that's where you can like that's where you just have to catch Sam's vision, right? Is if you have Josh Giddy and Shea, and then if you can add like a legitimately good player on top of those two, like now you have the making of what could be a very good team. And the Suns, like we're talking about the best team in the Western Conference, Phoenix Suns. Yeah. You, know, you can you can get there. Look at Utah. Utah's a good team. And they've got Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and then just a bunch of like good players. Like nobody else is yeah. great on that team. The West is dying down a little bit. And once it comes time for the Thunder to to rise up, I mean, just think about all the teams that are going to be gone. Like, it's going to be Memphis is going to be the team. Once again, Memphis, OKC, I can see a rivalry forming in the next four or five years between those two teams because Memphis is on the rise and they're going to be very good. That's probably the the team of the next decade as long as Josh stays healthy. Yeah. Um, And it's a hell of a rivalry. It's going to be it's going to be awesome, and it and it's funny. I think I mentioned this once before, but it 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 seems like if unless the Thunder get a superstar in the next two drafts, it'll be interesting because it'll feel like they've flip flopped a little bit. Where the Grizzlies now have like like the loudest, amazing star in the league, and the Thunder are going to have these guys where it's like it's it's in the nuances how much you know they're like how good they are, you know. You know, it's it's yeah. there's sports center highlights on one end and it's like film breakdowns by Zach Lowe on the other end. <laughs> you know, that's which is what like Memphis versus OKC was last last go around but flip flop. Yep. So uh okay, real quick, the Thunder are still sitting fourth. They're two games up on Indiana. However, they are tied in the loss column. Um which it makes me nervous, just flat out. It's scary. It makes me nervous. Very scary. I don't like that at all. Um, Sacramento, they're three games up on Sacramento. And their upcoming schedule makes you feel a little bit better. 
because they've got uh, Milwaukee tomorrow night in OKC. Back-to-back in Minnesota, which will be... Like, Minnesota's pretty good. That's a tough one. Uh, and it's got, pretty good against the Thunder. Uh, it seems hammered. that these kind of teams yeah. uh, with, with shooting centers, uh, it's it's very difficult for... Because the defense... Sorry, I'll, I'll just um, yeah, go nuts for a second. Um, the fact that OKC is playing extremely well against teams that have uh, a physical presence in, in the middle, which sounds counterintuitive, is actually because they can, they are very good at doubling and, 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 and clogging the lanes. Against Cat, that doesn't work. That just doesn't work. So I'm curious to see how they play next time. Because last time, I mean, it was, hey, when he's on the court, there is not really an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe Degnotola will, will show us something. Hopefully nothing too great, because yeah, <laughs> those are very important losses to have. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I'm curious. I'm curious to see. Yeah. Uh, then they have Memphis. They have a Memphis-Charlotte back-to-back. They they play Wednesday night. They don't play again until Sunday. So they've got a pretty significant break in just kind of the middle of the season, which is kind of weird. Um, Memphis-Charlotte Sunday-Monday. San Antonio Wednesday. Miami Friday. And then they've they've got... They've got this stretch that it will kind of that will determine what they're going to be, and it's Orlando, Boston, Orlando, which Boston's been incredible recently. So I don't worry about that. Yeah. But Sunday at Orlando, Sunday March twentieth at Orlando, back to back Monday at home against Boston, and they have Orlando again that Wednesday in OKC after a day off. Then they've got at Denver, at Portland, which is another one, at home against Atlanta, and then Friday, April 1st, they play Detroit, which will be be actually not the last one. Then they play Portland again, for the love of God, on Tuesday, (laughs) April 5th. Um, Yeah, so from Sunday the 20th to basically April the 5th. Yeah. If they're able to win just two, three of them, of those, then I think the tank is okay. If they win more, they are in huge trouble. They could be in trouble. If they beat, if they win both of the Orlando and both of the Portland games, which is totally possible. Like we're talking about yeah. crap teams, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, Denver is playing, Detroit is playing better. Detroit's playing better. Orlando's actually playing better. Yeah, they played. They played better recently. Orlando's four and six in their last in their last ten. The Thunder only three and seven in their last ten. Detroit's yeah. five hundred in their last ten. So yeah, they played better. Yeah, I don't great. expect the Thunder aren't going to catch those guys. Just we're just talking about maintaining four. You know, and he yeah. still has a pretty soft strength of schedule, which hasn't mattered. Um, let's look and see who they've got. That's so Indy plays Friday, March 18th. They play Houston Sunday, March 20th. They play Portland. They've got Sacramento left, which is an interesting one just because of the trade. They have Detroit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Detroit has such a difficult schedule. Yeah. 
That's terrible. It is okay. It's not bad. Maybe Philly will have nothing to play for. Who knows? Yeah, uh, it's, it's true. Brooklyn will. Yeah, I know. That's that's not. It's it's terrible. Hey, um, it's like this. It's um, it's hard. Life is hard. I I put the over under at six, and it's uh, wins from now to the end of the season, and it's probably going to be quite close. It yeah. I'll take under. I'll take the under. And that's just yeah. probably the optimistic barely. side of me. Yeah. Yeah, probably barely. Uh, okay. Anything else before we go? Well, I'm excited to to head on a uh, back-to-back. And um, and as much as uh, having three days off at the end of the week. So it's um, it's going to be an interesting one. Yes. Yeah, still no update on the injuries to any of these guys. So... I, Which is uh, the weirdest. I didn't say anything because I don't know anything. So <laughs> you will know when I know something about the injuries to these players. Promise you that. Uh, all right. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.